Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. What a profound testimony by Sister Chrissy and Rasul, professor. We call him El Profesor in, in the Bronx. Because every time I see him, now I'm starting to buy his books. Urban Apologetics. You better go copy your copy. I got my copy. Praise be to God. I'm from the South Bronx, if you can't tell yet. Uh, and grateful to be here at my brother's church. James is, I think I saw the first lady here. Sister Robeson, amen. My sister. So grateful to be amongst family, so grateful to be uh, in the room, even with work family. I've got my family from work city to city, Sue and Doug, um, uh, and then the building, right? I think I, I think I saw them, right? So good to see you after so many months, about to say years, this pandemic. Y'all kind of packed out for a church that just started opening up again. <laughs> Telling my son, who's one of our associate pastors, yo, wait, 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 what's going on here? You know, Brooklyn has got it popping. <laughs> grateful to see Kelly and Mark Diaz. Grateful to be. I want to say thank you to the, to the board of directors, to the elders of your church. I want to say thank you to you on behalf of the Promised Land Covenant Church administration and leadership. Uh, we had a fire back in January, uh, four weeks into our new launch of our new loft in St. Lawrence. And, um, you know, I'm out there looking at everything burned down with the bomberos, um, firefighters. Sorry, this might be bilingual. <laughs> this might go trilingual if I start talking in tongues, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let the reformed among us be unnoticed, right? <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, this fire happens. Nobody wakes up in the morning to say the church is burning and wants to embrace something like that, but that's exactly what happened. I got a call at six in the morning. One of our pastors said, Pastor Mike, the church is on the news. The entire block is on flames. Something happened in the store, and this fire had the audacity, the nerve, and the gall to wipe out seven businesses, stop at the corner, chill, and then go down the rest of the block and get killed three other churches. And so millions of dollars in damage. They just started repairing all the other businesses by consolidating the refuse, cleaning it out. Uh, but our church has been back for the last six weeks holding services to God be the glory. And I want to say to you that Pastor James and Pastor Josh and Pastor Rasul, I mean, your generosity for supporting us. It's not the first time that we had this church support us on an outreach, on a missional endeavor, but especially, let me, especially when your back is against the wall and you don't know what you're going to do. And we understand that it's him working in the background. But he works through people. And James calls us and he says, hey, we got your back. He goes a small offering to support you guys. I want to say thank you because we would not be open if it wasn't for you. So thank you. Thank you. So many churches came together. That's one side of the coin. I told Josh I was going to do this. The other side of the coin is, I should say, is your fault. 
because the, the James was the last preacher before the fire came. And he's Baptist. He's not even Pentecostal like that. I know James is watching somewhere saying, this man did not just do that. I told him, we were at a pastor's retreat, and I told him, I'm going to get into the text. But I told him, I'm not always here, guys. But I told him, I said, you know when I grabbed the mic at your church, you know I'm going to tell him, tell him it's your fault, dog. You came and you burnt the spot down. That's not right. No, we, we, uh, we love you guys. Uh, many years ago, I had the opportunity to serve as a director of administration for the Latino Pastoral Action Center in the South Bronx. It was where I was formed and forged in community development and how to take a prophetic posture within my social context to speak truth to power and then to be incarnational. And I, and I embraced the methodology and the boldness to say preaching is not enough. To say teaching is not enough behind the platform or behind the pulpit. We understand this to be sacred space where the move and the expansion of the kingdom take place. But there's another move of the kingdom that takes place in the street, in the grind, in the hood. Chrissy and her son were just, uh, she was just talking about, or her and her daughter, uh, bless the Lord for your healthy pregnancy, talking about how the line for four hours it's hard for me not to get emotional when I hear stories like that. Because I grew up in a context, I grew up in an era where heroin ran the streets in Harlem. So both my parents were heroin addicts all of my life. Just up until their, their conversion to the Lord. My father served 22 years and my mother served 7 years in Bedford Penitentiary for women. So I grew up in prison, literally. Matter of fact, many of my family said, you know, you're going to be just like your parents, because you were so jacked up, you were so angry, you were so bitter, you were so lost, you are so entrenched in dark things that the outcome is only going to be this, but God, but God. In the context of working at LPAC, I was, I was privileged to be the scribe that sat at the table with Dr. Ray Rivera. Dr. Lou Carlo, Dr. Samuel, Samuel Pagan, Dr. Sam Cologne. Uh, some of you may not know these names, but they are the Latino Caribbean theologians that have formed and forged the Caribbean church. And, and, I, and I was told and I was commissioned by my elders that I was supporting as I, I would prepare their papers and I would help the international students come in as the New York Theological Seminary would come in and fly in all of these international students. They would take classes with us. And I was privileged to sit in the back and just, and just listen to different theologians talk about liberation theology, ecclesiology, missiology. Learn about what a true homiletics. What is it to mean to exegete the text? Not isogetically and remix it, but to take what God is saying and unpack it so people could be set free by the power of the word of God. It was in that context where something was birthed in me that transformed me. Because just like Professor Rasul stated, I come from a situation, I know where I come from. I know what I've experienced. I know the suffering of poverty. And I know what it is to be disoriented and dislocated from my family. But God in his mercy, in the mix 
in the midst of a very difficult remix, knows how to turn things around for his glory because somebody prayed for me. Somebody had me on their mind. Somebody took the time and prayed. So my mentors introduced me to another mentor, Justo Gonzalez, a theologian and historian. And I read a paper of his that was written in Latin, translated into English, and then applied for one of the activities in the DMIN program at New York Theological Seminary. And the name of the paper was Magnificat Anima Meo Dominum. My soul magnifies the Lord. And in proper context, Gonzalez takes this from the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke and it's Mary's song. This is post the announcement to Mary that she will now give birth to Messiah. Listen to me, this is the cosmic drama, the ultimate baby mama drama in the first century. And this is how Sister Mary responds. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 47. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me in his holy name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Gonzalez focuses on the second part of this pericope in verse 51 through 55, if that's not enough. But if you would have taken into context the reality of what Mary was just told and her response. Can you imagine in a social context where a woman does not have a status quo to be told you will be the carrier of another life and there is no other person to say I'm the daddy and you got to trust that it's God telling you this? And you've got to realize and mitigate and, na and navigate through a context that, can, that will get you killed for being pregnant in the midst of being betrothed to somebody else. The situation that Mary's dealing with that she gets the news is not an easy situation. We Christianize it when we read it in the text. We make it sound all sweet like people are playing flutes and there's butterflies flying around. But ultimately, Mary could have got killed just for the very rumor just for the bochinche of her being pregnant from somebody else other than Joseph. Somebody say amen if you with me. You know how it is, Pookie get pregnant next door. I'm like, oh my God, Pookie pregnant. Who, who? I didn't even know Pookie was, who Pookie was with? We don't know. Was she coming clean, girl? Right? Drama. That's embarrassing enough for us, for us, you know. In her context, it could have been her death. What does she do with the response of that? She goes into a praise, into a song. How many of us can hear words, an assignment that is detrimental to your existence and turn around and say, glory to God in the highest. I'm sending you to the South Bronx to plant a church. Praise be to God. I'm sending you to downtown Brooklyn where they pop off all the time. Glory, Santo Dios, mi alma te alaba. Tell us, keep it 100 up in here. Let's keep it a buck 50. 
Some of y'all get twisted when you get asked to usher at the front door. I said it. You know how I can say that? Because that's how they are in the Bronx too. Sister, could you, would you? Absolutely not, Pastor. Absolutely not. Because I need a word. That's not her response. Her response goes right into a synthesis of God's faithfulness to Israel. Listen to me. What is the context? This is occupied territory. They're under Roman rule. Pagan, abusive, tyrannical rule. Are you with me? Verse 51 is where Husto goes in. Where many theologians say this is the upside down kingdom that we talk about. He is the God of reversals. He reverses. And this is what Mary's song pro- proclaims. Some would say prophetically. Historically, some say she's looking backwards into Torah to turn around and say, look at God's faithfulness. Verse 51 says this. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, exalted the humble state. He's filled hungry with good things. And rich he sent always empty. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. She makes this declaration within this song, hyphenating his faithfulness to Israel. How many of us could have such a biblical theological response to the invitation for mission? Are you with me? Some of us, your mission is to preach. Hers was to birth the Messiah. That was her mission assignment. So now she's birthing and she's ready to, now she's getting ready. She's psychologically, emotionally processing this. I mean, come on now. Who would be able to reconcile that? I would question that. Pregnant? From who? I mean, I didn't even, you know what I mean? We didn't even, I even hold, held your hand yet. By God's grace and choreography, we understand the next rest of the narrative. Joseph wants to let her go, you know, quietly, discreetly. Why? You see, the, 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 you have to understand the social context historically to understand why the discreet dismissal of Mary. Because she could have died if they heard that she was pregnant from somebody else. What am I saying to you? We put Mary on a nice little, ooh, pipes, butterflies, sister's gangster. Mary's gangster. Because she says yes to something that could end her. Gonzalez's focus is that this is just but an echo. We hear it once, but it hits us twice. Gonzalez says we hear it once, but it hits us twice. Like ricochet rabbit, ping, 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 ping. Hannah's song in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Hannah, another sister, and another socially oppressive, systemically downtrodden situation. Women were not and this is not about women, and it's not a feminist message, but this is to let you know, sisters, that you are not alone and God hears you. Number one, somebody say amen. amen. Next time I'm going to preach about the brothers, because obviously the women got an attitude in this church. <laughs> but there's something that when a woman preaches and a woman teaches and a woman prays, an echo happens, and some would say that Mary's actually echoing the prayer of Hannah. Some theologians would argue. Hannah then prays, and we're in 2 Samuel 2, 1, 4, 5, and then 7, 9. Hopping around just a little bit. 
If you want the notes, I'll send them to the professor and you guys can study it in your own time. But cross-analyze these two songs because they speak to context. They speak to the reality of what they were facing historically, but they also send a prophetic, profound message for us, the believer in the 21st century. It sends us a message that we don't just have to rely on yesterday's blessings, but have an expectancy for the new things that God's going to do. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how ugly it gets, no matter how disorderly it gets, no matter how many times January 6th happens, understand that God is still in control. Understand that God is still on the throne. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food. But those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren to, has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles, he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them on the, with princes, seats them with princes, and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked shall be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. An echo from Hannah to Mary. You know, certain theologians argue with the Mary song. They say that it's not just, it's not just a historical review of promises to Israel. It's not just an introduction to the upside-down kingdom, right? It's not just an upside-down kingdom, but it is an expectancy that Mary is implying in the song that it's not just the things that he's done, but because we know about the things that he's done, we have great, experience, we have great expectancy for the things he's going to do. Listen to me, in this day and age, where it looks like we're coming out of COVID and stepping back into COVID, come on. We just came out this bad boy. We thought, we thought, we thought. Right? We thought we were coming out of something. Now restrictions, now masks. Now I got to pull out this thing to have dinner. and You know what I'm saying? All of it's going to continue. And I cannot despair. I cannot lose hope. I cannot lose sight. We have economic situations, ramifications, and realities that if the schools start to implode again, these kids will wind up home again. All over again. Is anybody thinking about that? Is anybody praying about that? Is anybody gearing up for that reality? And if you are, you better start singing like Mary sang. Because you got me through 19, and you got me through 20, you're going to get me through 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. You know, he's a God of reversals. He reverses the ugly. He reverses the dark space. He reverses our pain. I can talk and think about this all day. I always have a flashback when somebody starts talking about serving the poor, serving the hungry, serving the disoriented and the abandoned and margin space. Our ministry has been dedicated to that. Dedicated to that. 
You know, I could lecture someplace else, but God has called me to the space where people are lamenting and crying and hurting. This church too, if you're in Brooklyn, if you're in this space, you also, it is such a refreshing thing to hear a church saying they're going to invest in Pastor Ed Colon and Ruha and Ray Ramos. Those guys are doing work and they don't get the accolades for it. They don't get the support for it. They won't get the invitation to the seminary for it. But in heaven, in heaven, in glory, in glory, they're making some noise because God sees their sacrifice and God sees the praise in the midst of a season of sacrifice. Am I talking to you yet, church? Some of you walked in here today with burdens and issues and marriages and concerns and brokenness. I'm here to tell you that God is good and God can reverse that. I'm here to tell you today that it's not over yet. While you're in the land of the living God, air in your lungs, moisture in your eyeballs, and you're in church, it's not over. God can reverse it. God can do something, meet you, transform you. As a matter of fact, we hold on to that text and to the church of Rome. All things. Somebody say all things. things. Come on, wake up and say all things. things. I know I'm in Brooklyn. Somebody say all things. things. Work together for good. I said this in the sermon earlier this morning. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fall down. I'm going to crash and burn. But all things. Not some things. Not just Pentecostal things. Not just reform things. Not just things that I want. No, 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 not things that I don't. All things work together for good. Why is that? Because he loves me. Because he's called me. But most of all, because he's the God of reversal. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go. We know one thing from antiquity that every empire has a season. And then that season crumbles. That's history. That's history. That's, we, can, we can take that to the bank. We could also take to bank to the bank the expectancy that when the kingdom of God comes, all that has been established will be overturned. And it doesn't matter who is in the Oval Office because we know who Jesus is and where he sits. We know the authority and the dominion. We know the power. We know his majesty. We know that he's not a man that he can lie or get confused. We know that he's not paranoid, schizophrenic, or suffering from mental health illness. We know he's not a drug addict. We know that we can trust in Jesus. I've seen too much in my life and ministry not to trust the Lord now. I done been through too many 2019s. For some of y'all, it's just hitting you hard now because you can't play double dutch in the park. But for some of us, we were already dealing with pandemics, economic pandemics, family generational curses pandemics, dislocated, disoriented destinies pandemics. We now acknowledge the disparity of medical resources and food in the margin space because of this plague. That does not mean that they were not there before the plague. They were there already, but nobody wanted to see them. And then now, if you're a preacher or a teacher or a community prophet and talk about it, you know, just calm down. Just talk about Jesus. Sorry, dude, wrong church. Because we're going to talk about Jesus and that. Because Jesus calls us to talk about that. He calls us. He beckons us into that space. 
I love the fact that Chrissy and her husband Dustin are willing to be incarnational in their respective context. If they can only give one Saturday, amen. But look what they're exposing their babies to. Look at this. And now think about how you live and what you have. That's a huge lesson. That's a huge lab. Right? I want to encourage you, Chrissy and Dustin. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage everybody else in this church that can hear the sound of my voice. You're not just packing bags when you go to Roja or any other place. You are supporting the Imago Day. You are literally assisting God by taking care of his children. We started charter schools not because we were trying to be super steroid evangelical. We started charter schools because we saw the disparity of poverty and the cycles that were taking root in our community. We saw that there was a plague of profiling against black boys in our community. And if the black boys are all in, on the basketball court, get them off the court and get them into the classroom. Get them into the classroom. It wasn't just preaching that we needed. We need an incarnational intentionality and the boldness to step into the basketball court and to say, no, this is wrong. See, that's the problem. That's the problem, dude. Let's be honest. Many in New York City as a climate, and other global cities too, many will see a crime and won't say nothing. Why? That's that street doctrine, that street ethic. I ain't see nothing. Because stitches, was it? Because I don't want stitches. I saw kids getting arrested. I saw kids being pregnant at 14 and 13. And then finding out at 15 that they're HIV positive. And then visiting them in jail. Right across the street from our ministry. I got so tired of it that I didn't care about getting stitches no more. And I said, you go ahead and stitch me up. I'm going to talk about Jesus and say, this is wrong. That's sin. And it's not okay to profile black boys. It's not okay to profile brown boys. It's not okay to profile anybody. We got to rethink this thing. Somebody has got to speak truth to power. Somebody. And I'm frustrated with a church that's anemic and neutral, and silent on the issues that concern God. That's why Mary's song is so beautiful and so powerful. Because it talks about the opposite of what's the norm in her day and ours. You see, in this context, the rich are not the powerful, the poor are. In this context, the mighty and the strong, they're not the military, they're the indigenous. This is the kingdom of God realized. This is where the lamb and the lion are in the same space. Or the tiger and the bear. In the same space. And there's no war. This is where water comes out of the rock. When the church looks like, moves like, is like this. When we resemble and we talk about a God of reversal. Twenty-two years, my father was in jail. I never met anybody on my father's side of the family 
Two weeks ago, I was in Puerto Rico meeting these people. And as I was on the plane, I had this conflict. And all I had in my head was all that they told me as a child. They rejected your mother because she was black. And they were white Puerto Ricans. And she was a black woman. So now my uncle dies, the only one I ever met. And he's special needs. And they've asked me to come do the funeral. In my flesh, in my ego, in my... Pro can I keep it? Can I get... Yes. No, can I get transparent right now? Yes. I mean, don't judge me. I got co-workers here. Hold on. One second. <laughs> in my flesh. I want to say, oh, no, 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 I'm the black, I'm the black one. My mother was black. I'm black. We all black up in here. You want me to go over there? Sounds of blackness, boo. I couldn't sleep before the flight. I couldn't sleep on the flight. I got to Vega Baja. I couldn't sleep in the hotel. The whole time I'm getting off and I'm riding through, I'm looking for one Black Lives Matter sign. They ain't find none. So in my mind, I'm building up this whole, I'm going to flip. I'm going to flip on these people. In the name of Jesus. South Bronx preacher, I'm sorry, I don't know. And I got there, and I sit with my aunt, and she takes off her mask, because she's a Manati, which is a very impoverished community. They already have pandemics, they're already the oldest colony in, in, in the country, in the world maybe. And we sit on her foyer, because I can't go into the room she pulls out these big five albums. Look like Torah through scrolls almost. Dusty, dirty, and st stuck. You know, like something's been stuck, plastic. So I'm sitting there and she's telling me, I want to show you the family. And the narrative in my head is going, yeah, mm -hmm. let me meet these people. Can't wait to meet these people. Opens up the first big picture of me as a baby, nine months old. Second, pictures of me and my sisters. Third, pictures of my mother. Pictures of my grandmother. Pictures of my family. Now I'm bawling. Now I'm crying. Now I'm like... You know, when you're crying and you... <laughs> I'm ready to pull out my asthma pump. I'm crying so hard. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, white mocos down to my knees. I'm like, oh my God, I need tissue. Oh my God. Because the narrative I walked into this space with wasn't even a narrative of truth. 50 years, I'm looking at these people like they're racist against my mother and me and my, si and my siblings. 50 years I'm looking at these people and I'm looking at them with lenses that don't even belong to me. And now I get in front of this lady and I never, I've never seen somebody look so much like my father that she took off her mask and I immediately broke, started crying. Then I was angry because I was crying. You ever been
weren't angry, that you was angry, but you was crying and you couldn't control yourself? I want to know I'm not crazy. Somebody put their hands up if you've been in that space. Put your hand up, not your finger. I want to know I'm talking to somebody. I'm angry because I'm angry and emotional. And then I feel this peace come upon me. And then I had to close the book and say, Titi, I'm sorry. She said, but why are you sorry, mijo? It's because I judged you. And this whole time they tell me the following. She says, Mike, I'm going to tell you the truth. Your father was on drugs. We lost you. We never didn't love you. We always wanted you. We went looking for you. Sometimes you don't know it, but God's doing something in the background. And I turn around. I said, but how do you get all these pictures? My aunt said, I don't know how we got these pictures, but we got them. <laughs> and the whole family has been in an uproar because we couldn't get to you. My brother was sick. Your mother was sick. But we never. She said, look at my husband. The brother was blue, black, black. You know, I didn't make it into the house. I just saw the door. They kept me. I said, oh, so, oh, so now I'm black. They're going to keep me on the outside. She opened up the door. The brother's there. I said, hey, Thomas. I'm your nephew from New York. Can I kick it? Thomas goes like that. And then she opens up the thing again. She opens it up, and she has a picture of my ordination to a word in sacrament. 1996, I got ordained to word in sacrament. And you knew it was back in the day because I had a big pager on, about this big. <laughs> Look at my Facebook, those who are my friends, you see a big pager, me on my knee, them throwing oil on me. And then it dawned on me, Josh. People who don't love you don't keep pictures of you. People who reject you don't have five volumes of all your baby pictures of somebody they never met. They have pictures of my kids. How did you get that one? I don't know, but we prayed for you. He's the God of reversal. I'm not talking to you about something that theoretically I accepted in a European theological construct from a lecture. I'm telling you because I've lived reversal. And now, I've got to get used to people from Puerto Rico calling me all the time. Because, you know, you go through a climactic moment like that, then the next week, People start calling you, like, who is this? This is your cousin Madeline from Florida. Who? I'm your cousin. Oh my God. I did, I'm, uh, all right. Now I got to meet people. Then I found that I wasn't the only pastor in the family. That there's a lot of pastors that came out of Manati. And then I said, well, you look at God and how his mercies 
are new every morning. Mary's song has been on my mind for the last month. And what I shared with you today wasn't a sermon, it was my devotion. Because I heard it once, but it hit me twice. It bounced. And it took me back to what the text says. That his arm is not too short that it cannot save. That he is faithful and true. That he's the Alpha, he's the Omega. That there's nothing he can't do. That all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his I don't know who I'm speaking to today. It might be one person in this room, but do you need the God of reversal? Do you need God to reverse a trauma, a drama, a situation of pain in your life? Do you need the miracle hand of God to undo years of false or wrong narrative? Because he's no respecter of person, Bridge. What he did for me, he wants to do for you. And then some. Now, in my tradition, and we're reformed charismatics, we do altar calls. I'm not going to do that with you today because I don't want to make people. But I will ask you, if you need God to reverse something, I want you to stand up right where you are. Because faith needs action. Faith needs commitment. Just stand up right where you are. Just stand up right where you are. Don't, don't think about it. If you got to think about it, you're so ready. Just, just right where you are. Lift up your hands before heaven. And those who are watching this on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, wherever you at, you in your sala, you in your living room, you in your kids, stand up right where you at too. And join the rest of us as we lift our hands before God and say this real simple prayer. Say it with me. Say, Jesus, I've heard you today and I need you today to reverse, to shift, to move, undo, make bearable the way for me. I surrender my mind, my heart, and my attitude. And I ask you, God, to heal me, God of reversals. Reverse my pain. Reverse my family. Reverse fill-in-the-blank church. He's the God of reversal. The Lord sends poverty and he sends wealth and he humbles and he exalts. The foundations are the Lord. There's nothing in your life that is not under God's authority. And it is his will that you grow and thrive and find strength in reversal. This is the word of the Lord. If you can receive it, say amen. amen. Pastor.
We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.